Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. Hey, everyone. Welcome to From the Kitchen Table. I'm Sean Duffy, along with my co-host of the podcast, my partner and my wife, Rachel Campos-Duffy. Thank you, Sean. It's so great to be here on the podcast. Although we're not together today at our kitchen table, you're home with all the kiddos. And I'm just down at the border here in Del Rio because I have a town hall tomorrow um, that I'm doing for Fox and Friends. And I'm actually going to be coming to uh, live for Fox and Friends weekend from the border. The boys, Will and Pete, will be in studio in New York City, but I will be coming live from Del Rio, Texas on Saturday morning. So I'm here, you're on kid duty. And Sean, I decided to come to the border because Kamala Harris and Joe Biden won't. They won't, they won't go to the border. That's right. And um, as only those border states have thought that the border is open and the border is a problem now, because governors of, of Texas um, of Florida and a little bit out of Arizona have sent busloads of migrants to liberal cities that are sanctuary cities and sanctuary states, all of a sudden, everyone in America realizes that an open border is an American problem, not just a border state problem. It is an American problem, but I'll tell you what, Sean, it is a problem for the Democrat Party. So right now, um, and it's it, this is an unbelievable thing that's happening. Right now, if you look at the races in Texas, along the border district. So we're talking about District 23 in Texas, District 28, District 15, um, District 34. These districts used to be all Democrat uh, represented by Democrat members of Congress. And it looks like if you look at the polling, Sean, that Tony Gonzalez will win again. That'll be a reelection for him in 23. Cassandra Garcia would win 28. If Monica wins in 15 and Myra Flores in, in District 34, you will have, for the first time in history, an almost entirely Republican-represented uh, border uh, between you know Mexico and Texas of all those Southern districts along the Texas border. That has got to be scaring the you-know-what out of Democrats. Yeah, so so I want to talk quickly about Texas 23, right? So that's Tony Gonzalez's seat. That was first won by Kiko Canseco in 2010, the year that I won and came to Congress. And then when he left Congress, Will Hurd, a Republican, ran and won in that seat. And now Tony Gonzalez has kept it. 
But every year that was the most hotly contested seat because it leans Democrats. And by the skin of their teeth for the last 10 years, Republicans have been able to win Texas 23. But every other you know, district along the southern border has been solidly Democrat. Republicans don't stand a chance. They just hope to keep the Tony Gonzalez seat, Texas 23. But as you mentioned, Rachel, this year, Republicans could pick up four of those border, border districts in Texas. Uh, there's one that's still Democrat, solidly Democrat, that Republicans probably will not win, but they would have four out of five border districts in the state of Texas, which is historic. And it speaks to the speaks volumes about what's been happening in the Hispanic community and why they've gone from Democrats to now being Republican voters. Yeah, I mean, we brought up the border. I mean, obviously, the border security issues, um, the open border, the the trauma really that it's caused in these cities along the border, these little towns that just can't, don't have the infrastructure or the resources or the services to manage the inflow. I mean, you see. New York City freaking out over a fraction, I mean, a tiny, tiny fraction of what these towns are feeling along the border. And, and they have far less resources in New York City. And so th this has affected their ability to get health care. Um, you know, I've told you about, you know, in Yuma, Arizona, for example, we have friends, you know, who say we now have to go hunt, take our kids 100 miles away because we can't get them into the hospital because it's overrun by people who have come here illegally. Um, so there's all kinds of issues like that, uh, as as well as the crime situation that has increased, and then sort of the long-term problems that happen when you have illegal immigration. Um, you know, wages go down; it makes it just harder to live in these towns, and so that's a big issue. But also, I think what's affecting um, not just this area but other areas. You know, you see Nevada. Um, you know, the, the Hispanic vote in Nevada might be the, what what turns that election. Um, the governor election over for, um, for, for Republicans and, and also a Senate seat there. There's um, elections all along, um, you know, the, in, in Arizona and so forth that will be affected by the Hispanic vote. And it's not just the border. It's that I think the, the Democrat Party has gone so far left. Um, the, the school situation with transgenderism being taught instead of, you know, math and science and reading, uh, people are just feeling like in the Hispanic community, which is a community that's so faith-based, um, so family-oriented, they just feel like the Democrat party, they don't recognize it anymore. So there's all yeah. of those issues. And then you add inflation, um, which is the number one issue. Uh, and it's just, it's devastating for the the Democrats, Sean. And I think what what the problem is for them is that it's not just this cycle. You know, from my own family history that my, you know, my father was a, came from a union Democrat town. He voted Democrat his whole life until he voted for Ronald Reagan. And, you know, once you vote Republican, you, you might not go back. Uh, you're not that solid, dependable Democrat vote anymore. And certainly in the case of my dad, he never turned, he never turned back to the Democrat party again um, for values issues more than anything else. Well, I think you look and say, well, what do the Democrat party of uh, politicians have to offer the Hispanic voter, right? So you mentioned, you know, immigration and how it's overrun communities, whether it's, you mentioned the hospitals, it's the social services, it's the crime, it's, you know, housing, um, it's everything in your community is overrun by illegal migration. And it's been devastating the communities in which Hispanics live. 
you're right. Um, inflation has been been crushing the the value of the hard earned dollar by the community. Um, the economy has been falling off in Texas, especially. You have a lot of uh, oil and gas. When Joe Biden yeah. attacked oil and gas, he's attacking the jobs of Hispanic workers. A lot of Hispanics work on Border Patrol. So when Joe Biden calls Border Patrol racist, those are Hispanic families that he's calling racist. And then I think yeah. you're right when you most families and especially immigrant families understand or those who have recently come from immigration, we all understand that a good education is our way to the middle class in America. And when you want to teach my kids about racism and about transgenderism, one that's that you're taking away my pathway or my kids pathway to the middle class, but also this is an affront to my faith. This is an affront to who I am um, as a human being. What drives me in life is my faith. And they came here and they want to be American. You want, you want to be an American. They love America. They serve in the military, Hispanics do, especially at a rate much higher than um, other groups in America. And to think that Democrats want people and support people who kneel for the flag, who maybe burn the flag, who want to teach in our schools to hate America. These are all issues that repel, I would argue, the Hispanic voter. And they then will look to Republicans to say, hey, maybe I have a home here. Maybe this is where I should be. And I think it's fascinating that uh, of the names we read, Myra Flores, Monica De La Cruz, and uh, uh, Cassandra Garcia, Cassie Garcia, three Republican women Hispanics, right? <laughs> it's the mom, the, the, the mama bears in the Hispanic community are coming out and going, I'm not raising my family with Democrat values. I love America and I love my faith. And I love my family and I'm going to be a Republican and the women, Hispanic women are running, which is fascinating. You know what I think I was thinking about this today, like what people really want is they don't want to think about politics. What the average American family, whether you're Mexican-American or, or, or white or Asian or black, what you want to do is you just want to work and spend time with your family. Right. And when the people in charge aren't doing their job then you suddenly, and you live in Texas along, you know, where I'm at right now, now you got to think about the border all the time. You know, you got to think about the border because the people in charge aren't taking care of the border um, at your schools. When they come in with all their ideology, you just want to be able to send your kids to school and help them with their homework when they come home. But now because the people in charge are screwing up the schools and indoctrinating your kids with racist CRT and, and transgender ideology, now you got to go to the school board meetings all the time. And now you got to fight, you know, and get involved in politics to change the whole situation at your school. Um, you know, you just want to go to the grocery store and buy food and think about the birthday party or Thanksgiving meal that you're going to make. And now you're worried, like, can I invite my whole family because I can't afford the, the food anymore? Or I just want to go to my kid's game. Um, can I afford to even put my kid in that sport? Because I don't know if I can afford to, the gas to drive them. I just want to go to grandma's house and, 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 and now I can't get there because it's too, you know, I can't fly to grandma's house for Thanksgiving because plane tickets have skyrocketed. I mean, and then if you're a grandma, you're worried about, do I buy my medication or do I heat my home? I mean, these are the things that Americans don't want to think about. And I think the problem the Democrats have, Sean, is that you don't have to go back to the eighties to think of the good times. You can go back two years, two years to the Trump administration and go, we had record economic numbers. Hispanics and Blacks never did better. 
been under the Trump economy in the history of us keeping track of these economic numbers. This is the problem that the Democrats face because people who are apolitical, and there are lots of people who are apolitical in this country, just think back and go, it's kind of that Reagan thing, Sean, you know, was my life better four years ago or not? And, you know, in this case, it was just two years ago. Uh, I think it's a really good point. And if you look at states, we, we didn't mention Florida, but large Hispanic uh, voting base in Florida that used to be uh, a, a purple state, maybe even lean a little blue. Ron DeSantis is going to cruise to victory as governor. Marco Rubio, uh, with probably not as big of numbers, is going to win easily in Florida. And that's a big part due to the Hispanic vote. So I think the, the, the American political map is shifting and changing, and a big part of that is the Hispanic vote. But I want to I want to bring this up, Rachel, because um, as as more Hispanics have been elected to Congress, um, they they create a caucus, right? There's there's a Hispanic caucus in Congress. There's a congressional Black caucus in Congress, um, and these caucuses are normally open to both parties. So it's what do these caucuses do, Sean? So so if you're a if you're a congressional Black caucus member, you'll Talk about issues that you can all agree on, that you can all work on together, that you think affect your community as a whole. Um, and you can work in block to push legislation, uh, holding your votes hostage to make sure you get certain things in bills or you won't vote for it. It's a very powerful tool to get certain pieces of legislation in bills. And Hispanics have had a growing caucus um in the congress and it's powerful to push issues that they think are going to help the hispanic community out and oftentimes they're 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 good they're, they're good ideas they're good they're good pieces of legislation it's you know it they're ideas that will not just help the hispanic community but they'll help every american family so it's it's it's, it's not a bad thing but what's what's interesting is normally they're bipartisan i remember that when mia love came to congress mia love from utah um african-american she's haitian american uh woman um, Republican, she had to kind of fight tooth and nail to get admitted into the Congressional Black Caucus. But she, well, Forrest, caucus, but she did she get was. in? She yeah. did get in. She did. And there was a kind of an internal fight, but she did get in. And, you know, they thought, you know what, this is appropriate. We all want to, we have open doors for everybody. And this is, this is a big tent. We're going to let, we're going to let a Republican and a conservative Republican and Mia Love come into our caucus. Well, Mara Flores, wanted to join the Hispanic caucus. And in the bylaws of the caucus, they don't say that it is exclusionary to Republicans. It's basically the criteria is you have to be Hispanic and a member of Congress and you can get in. So she applied, Rachel, and what did the Hispanic caucus, which is full of a lot of Democrats right now, but it's gonna be less Democrats and a lot more Republicans. But what do they say to Myra Flores when she asked to join? They said, no, you're not, you're not Latina enough. <laughs> She's the first member of Congress to be elected who was actually born in Mexico. Here's, she was actually, uh, Laura Ingram had a great town hall the other night um, in Houston and Myra Flores was there and Laura asked her what, you know, about being rejected by the Hispanic caucus. And uh, here's what she had to say about it. On June 14, I became the first Mexican-born congresswoman ever elected in Congress, and that's not good enough for them. And this just shows that they're not for the Hispanic community. They're just there um, for the, their political party. I don't need them. The Hispanic community doesn't need them. We are the real voice. We are the voice of the Hispanic community. And we stand for the values that we were raised with. 
God, family, and hard work. Okay. That is what we are all about. So God, family, hard work. I mean, the Democrat Party simply can't claim that they, you know, embody those values. And if you talk to any normal Hispanic person, they'll tell you that's the, those are the values of their family. And um, I mean, the Democrat Party has gone so far away from the Hispanic family values. I mean, they, they basically vote with what, I mean, I look at AOC, I've told you this before, Sean, I look at someone like AOC and she votes like, I mean, to be fair, she votes like her generation, right? Like as a, you know, Gen Z millennial type person, but also she votes the same as all the ladies on Martha's Vineyard, uh, you know, Island. I mean, they, I mean, if you looked at the voting record of all the rich white ladies there um, and you put it next to AOC's, I bet they would match up perfectly. Um, But those, you know, the radical abortion, um, socialism, um, you know, anti-religion, um, you know, anti-religious liberty, all of these issues that she's, you know, climate change being the most important thing in AOC's life and making her not want to start a family because she doesn't want to be an environmental eco-terrorist, you know, those things don't resonate with Hispanics. We don't think like that. We just think, we want to have a family and we want to have kids and we just hope our con- the economy is an abiding economy because it, it sure it makes it harder to do that. We'll have more of this conversation after this. Since the 1970s, working class Americans and U.S. investors who saved wealth in dollars have seen the dollar lose over 80 percent of its purchasing power. In contrast, investors who diversified their cash into gold saw gold appreciate over 5000 percent. For Americans who invested $50,000 in gold when America left the gold standard in the 70s, their gold is worth more than $2.5 million today. While gold carries no guarantees and past performance does not equal future results, investors who do their own research will see that gold's performance over this time span is what gold has consistently done in the face of eroding paper currencies. For over 15 years, St. Joseph Partners has built its business with a singular focus on helping investors diversify their wealth and protect their families in physical gold and silver you hold in your hand. Don't let your hard-earned savings go unhedged. Call St. Joseph Partners or go to our joint website, kitchengold.net, not .com. That is kitchengold.net and protect your wealth. And so we're talking about this because, one, it's fascinating to us because Rachel is um hispanic she's a latina right we have nine you know hispanic children and so that that's important but what's more important and why everyone cares is because this matters and this is why republicans um are feeling such a significant wave coming their way uh this november 8th it's because a a a small group of um of voters is changing party affiliation and taking and a, a D and moving it to an R. It's it's what's happening. It's not in a small the governor's- group, though, Sean. Not a small group. I mean, there are going to be, you know, in some of these states, you know, you're looking at Arizona, one in four voters is Hispanic American, you know, a quarter of the voters, um, you know. So, I mean, you're looking at, at and, and also look at, we have nine kids, Sean. We're the most, you know, we're the, we're the demographic having the most kids. We're the youngest demographic, um, the fastest growing demographic. So this has massive implications, uh, politically speaking, for, for, for Republicans and Democrats. And my point with that was with Lee Zeldin in his governor's race in New York, 
is able to change 4% of the vote in New York City, right? That's not a huge percentage, but it's a huge voting block in New York City in a really big state. He can change 4%. He can win the governor's race by just flipping that 4% who, again, they are pro-abortion. Really? They are pro-immigration. Right, they're, yeah, they're, right. they're, they're, I, I never they're, heard that. They, they're, they're, they're far left, but their lives have gotten so bad that they're looking at primary issues. Can I walk down the street and be safe? Yeah. Um, can I afford to live in this city that's gotten to be so expensive, so dirty? As you always say, Rachel, it smells like urine and marijuana whenever you walk through that city. I don't want to live like that. Said, and, Frank, I said that once on air with Brian Kilmeade, and he said he wanted to start a new cologne. <laughs> called, <laughs> called, called pot and urine <laughs> only brian kilmeade the was one liners but that's he can sell but, a lot it, of it, stuff so he sells books he it, can suck along <laughs> it is significant that those the, the those shifts happen and when it does lee zeldin will, will be a republican who wins um in new york for the first time since what the early 90s not early, not early right. 2000s i think early 2000s um, for some to have a Republican governor. And it's because Democrats flat out are just so stinking bad. And their ideas, and I think it's always important to go, Democrats have what they think are wonderful ideas. And they've had the opportunity to actually implement fully their ideas where they have all Democrat control, like, mm-hmm. like California, or like the city of San Francisco, or the city of Chicago, or the city of Baltimore, or the city of DC. Like, complete Democrat control. They implement their wonderful ideas. And what happens? They destroy the city. The city is yeah. rot. And what even good Democrats are like, I, I voted for you people and I love your ideas, but this sucks. I'm leaving. I'm going to go to a Republican area. And by the way, they don't leave their, their, their liberal ways behind. They take their stupid liberal ideas and bring them to Texas and bring them to Florida. But whenever Democrats have tried these dumb ideas, they actually ruin the places that they rule. And so yeah. why would we give them complete control of the United States? They will ruin it. And we saw in just two years, they've been destroying our country in record time. They want to make, they want to make America like San Francisco. You know, drug use, urine infested, homeless all over, and people begging for another place to go. Well, those of us who love America, go. Listen, we have to stand up and fight to make sure that can't be our future. That can't be the, San Francisco can't be the future of our kids where they walk down the street and they're afraid of stepping on a, on a needle that some druggie used to inject and they're gonna get you know some you know, random potentially deadly disease just walking home from school because um, of, of, of Democrat policy. So I think you know, this stuff truly matters and winning, and you mentioned Donald Trump, it's so important to go only two short years ago this is, you might not like all the tweets, you might not like all the fights he got in, but God darn it, this economy was pretty good and I didn't have to focus on the school board as much. I was able to focus on my family. And by the way, right. guess one last time, I'm here without you. And I'm like, I can barely I know, I, get the kids in the, in the door. Bed, yeah. I'm trying to get them fed, homework done, get them cleaned up and get them to bed. I'm like, if I had to go to a school board meeting, shoot me in the head. I mean, I, I really have time, even though we're together, we don't have time to get in all these fights, but that's what I find is so amazing. American moms and dads have been coming out in droves, making time to go, it's worth it. And one of us, you stay with the kids tonight, honey, because I'm gonna go to the school board meeting and I'm gonna fight like hell to get our school back. Well, I'm glad you brought up schools because this week, um, 
at the beginning of the week, we had this, what was, what's called basically the national report card come out. And so we're finally able to see what some of the results are of these national tests that come out annually. And we can kind of see where our kids are at academically, um, where they're scoring from year to year. And it's fascinating because it's really obvious now, and now that the data's in, that those kids who were in Catholic schools um, performed wildly better than those in public school. Now, if you're a parent, um, you know, watching this, you know, from, you know, the front lines here, I mean, that you, you knew this was going to happen. But what's interesting is a lot of the people who, you know, the unions, the teachers, the um, health bureaucrats um, who were okay with shutting down our schools um, and said, oh, it's okay, they'll be on Zoom, it's all right, you know, we gotta be safe, 100% safe. Um, you know, these scores are a real repudiation of what they did because at the same time, Catholic schools and, and the unions were fighting the Catholic schools who who really, they, they stayed open because they care about kids. They also stayed open because they had to. I mean, they, they would have lost their schools because without tuition, um, they don't survive. So they, I, I tweeted out when I got these scores, Sean, unions lied, Catholic schools tried. So the Catholic schools figured out, hey, we'll separate kids. We'll, you know, we don't know what's going on. We'll, we'll, we'll take these measures. We'll wipe things down. The schools, the public schools took a gazillions of dollars off of COVID money. And these Catholic schools bought, you know, Clorox wipes and wiped down tests and separated tests. And there were no outbreaks. There were no deaths. Um, and the kids survived. And not only that, academically, they thrived. So if Catholic schools were a state, they would be the most high performing state in our nation. Um, so fourth grade, eighth grade um, uh, math and reading scores just were significantly better than public schools and public school kids actually went backwards. You know, politically it's interesting too because Democrats are paid a lot of money by teachers unions for their loyalty to fight to get them more money in their contracts. Uh, sometimes have states, you know, take on more debt in their pensions for, for school teachers. And there's a lot of wonderful school teachers out there there's you know, some really bad ones. I think yes, the older are. teachers maybe are a little better. A lot of these younger ones are coming out more woke, more woke. But as Democrats partner with teachers unions, which is a really, really small voting block, Republicans are partnering with parents. And there's yeah. a hell of a lot more parents in America than there are teachers. And parents are concerned and parents are going to vote. And again, this is the issue. Uh, they, might, they might be liberal on a lot of social issues. But if you're not educating and teaching my kid or you're trying to indoctrinate my child, I will fight you tooth and nail because I can't stand for that as a parent. And if you're gonna make me vote Republican, Republicans who I don't like very much, I'm talking about these, these, these liberal parents, I will, I will on a single issue. That's why in, in, in the state of Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer, who was up, I think 17 points three weeks ago um, in the governor's race is now in a dead heat with her Republican challenger and the sole issue, yes, it's the economy. Yes, it's inflation. There's a lot of issues at play. But the biggest issue, this is just like Virginia. It's about, it's about teachers. It's about unions. It's about trying to push transgenderism, trying to push sex onto kids in, in Michigan. And the parents are revolting. A pretty loyal 
voting bloc to a Democrat uh, party is the Muslim vote. Significant Muslim vote in um, in uh, in Dearborn, Michigan. We talked about this. The parents came out and were like, "Listen, we don't we don't want to play politics. We just we we want you to educate our kids, not indoctrinate our kids, and we're going to rally around our children, not around any other political issues." When you watch that rally, I guarantee you how every one of those parents are going to vote because they know who is supporting their child and their child's education, and it's Republicans, and they know who's trying to destroy the child's education, which is. Democrats. It's, it's, it's I mean, very simple that, stuff. Yeah, it's not even that, it, you know, American parents have put up with bad academic, um, you know, scores for a long time. And we've been scoring, you know, in the middle of the pack, you know, we've been seeing Lithuania beat us in math and science and reading for, for years, for decades, for a decade or more. Uh, we've been declining academically. I think that what's, and, and, and I think American parents have been far too tolerant of that. But now you want to steal my child's innocence. You want to talk to them about their gender. You want to ask them if they want a different pronoun when they don't even know what a pronoun is. And you want them to do that without telling me. You want to put them, you want to get them on a path towards puberty blockers. You want to introduce pornographic books in your library and secretly talk to them about sex. I mean, it is just, it's gotten so off the rails, Sean. That parents are like, oh my, I mean, th- 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 this is a parent unite moment. I love what you said about how they partner with unions and Republicans and conservatives want to partner with parents. Um, absolutely, that's the case. And by the way, Gretchen Whitmore, Whitmer and her debate, which I think is going to cost her, if, if, if she loses that election, it'll be this moment that cost her um, that that election, which is she tried to gaslight parents during the debate and said that kids in Michigan were out of school for three months, which is a blatant <laughs> lie. You know who was out of school for three months? The Chinese kids, like 200 million of them uh, were out of school for like uh, two months or three months. Um, that's it. And then they were back. And that whole year and a half, two years where our kids were either out of school or in and out of school because, you know, if somebody coughed or got sick, then the whole class was home and Zooming. I mean, you got, you look here, uh, Catholic school students, average scores were 15 points higher than the average score of eighth grade public school kids of their, of the same, you know, their peers. So, you know, you had Catholic schools that were doing the work and, and some private schools as well. Um, but these these teachers unions basically extorted millions and millions and millions of dollars out of the taxpayers saying, we'll open if you give us all these millions of dollars to like, you know, get our schools all like ready for, you know, to, to, to fight against COVID. And then they still didn't open. They took the money. They still didn't open the schools. Um, and. And, and the money is just there. You know it's not going to be used towards COVID money. They're using it in all their DEI, you know, diversity, equity programs. Um, it was a complete scam. Meanwhile, Catholic schools on a budget um, did the work. And I think this is, you're right, this is going to be a big issue uh, for parents when they go to the polls. And I think more importantly, Sean, like, this is one of those issues that's going to have long-term reverberating effects. I think Teachers had, I mean, parents kind of had a lot, you know, the unions had goodwill with parents for, for far too long, goodwill they didn't deserve for far too long. And this really exposed um, just how corrupt the teachers unions were 
um, and how it really was about teachers and not about kids. And I think, you know, you saw in the last, I think it was a few months ago that um, Arizona um, became, an, uh, the entire state became school choice. And I think this trend is going to continue and it, it, it could fundamentally change the way education is run in America. Here's what I think is going to happen. I think you're going to see shockwaves on all the issues we've talked about on the podcast. Um, it's going to shock the electorate on November 8th. It's going to shock Democrats how bad they're going to lose. That is going to be real. They're going to feel it. I, here's, here's what I think everyone has to recognize. Democrats are not going to leave these issues. They want your children. They're going to continue to develop programs to indoctrinate your children, to separate your children from you. That's their mission. They're going to come back with a little softer approach. They're going to go, hey, we were maybe too out there on, 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 on transgenderism and CRT and our, in our sex education books in you know, sixth grade classes and our, our, our instruction on how to uh, access sex apps for little kids. I mean, that might have been too much. We shouldn't stop because we're right to do that. We just have to do a better job hiding it. And so we all have to be aware they are not going to leave. They are not going to be defeated and change course. They're not going to have, you know, a 180 degree pivot. They are coming back and they are just going to be stealthier. They're going to be sleuthier, if you will, in, in doing the same things, but trying to do it under our nose, under the radar. And so we don't pick it up. And so we have to have, once you win, the fight's not over. The fight is just beginning. When you win on November 8th, it just begins to make sure that not only do we um, take out the bad politicians, but we get policies in place and continue to be engaged in these spaces like our county boards, our school boards, um, our assembly races to make sure this stuff never, ever happens again. Because mark my words, they are coming back. There's a lot of AOCs that have been birthed in the last you know, um, you know, a couple of decades that are, that are coming of age that are going to fight to destroy this country. And it's our job to continue to fight them and to continue to beat them, not just on November 8th, but in 2024 and 2026 and every year after till they rethink their methods um, or crawl off to the corner in which their ideas came from. You know, Sean, I think with school, with, with education, um, you and I have just come to the conclusion that we can't came to the same conclusion Pete Hegseth came to, which was ultimately public schools are Democrat camp. And, um, and, and that is what they have been using the school system to do, um, to create little activists. Uh, that's pretty much what it is. And I, I think you're right. I think they're going to get more stealthy. And so I think the answer um, is yes, of course, to get involved in your school board, but ultimately the only answer is school choice. The only answer yeah. is to catch the money to a child and not a system. And once that happens, it will fundamentally transform education. Um, you're going to see a revolution in schools. Um, and, and, and that competition, I think, will make our country better. And I think, you know, you talk all the time about, you know, you lose hope sometimes, Sean, when you think about this next generation, because so many of them um, have been indoctrinated. Um, and so I think the only answer to that you know, on mass indoctrination is a real diversity of schools and the ability for other schools to grow and for parents to have choice. I think school choice is, of all the issues that are on, on the plate right now, 
um, school choice might just be number one or number two because one of the most important ones no doubt yeah i mean it, it really is i mean I, I i it's just so fundamental to the future of our country i listen i couldn't agree more listen rachel um i love you i love doing the podcast with you but i do have kids i have to feed um so they're getting hungry aren't they i, I know they get, I they're, they're, they're getting hungry so it's been a great chat on and maybe the house is burning down right now i don't know the fire alarms might go off anytime soon uh, but it's I mean, good chat about the Hispanic community and, and this this rebirth of Republican votes or a new birth of Republican votes it's in the exciting. Hispanic community. It's really exciting. It's this is probably one of the most exciting periods of time um, uh, that I've seen. Uh, you know, it's it's such a huge fundamental shift, um, not just Hispanics, but that the Republican Party is the working class party. Um, all of these things are going to have huge repercussions. No, November 8th is how many days away, Sean? Did you say 12? I think 12 days away. Mark, so Mark, Mark my words, on, on November 9th, you're going to wake up, um, or maybe even on the night of November What's your 8th, prediction? Really quick. What's your and, prediction? And my prediction is this. You're going to, it's, the wave is going to be so big that you are going to hear of governor's races, maybe even Senate races, House races, of people who won that you had no idea win a competitive race and could win. You're going to be shocked by the people who win that... Um, the pollsters said didn't have a chance. That's what kind of night it's going to be. That's how angry people are. That's how polling has been so bad in America, favoring Democrats, undercounting Republicans. You wait, mark my words, and just vote, go. I, I remember suppression, Sean. That's I remember Sean Duffy on the podcast said I was not, not I, that, that. I was going to see people who won that I never even heard of. That's going to happen. That's yes. how big this is. So I agree. Listen. I think it's going to be a tsunami. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Well, thank you all uh, joining us as we're separated. Rachel at the border, me at the house, all the kids uh, for our From the Kitchen Table podcast, which is not at our kitchen table today. It's um, We're disconnected, but thank yeah, you for joining you had, us. You had to lock yourself away from the kids to do this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I did. I Actually, I pushed mute one time. As I'm doing, I'm like, I'm yelling at the kids, hey, get the baby. <laughs> she was crying outside the door. So that's all too much information, you guys. I'm sorry, but that's what I'm dealing oh, I with. I love it. As I, we're I doing the pod. Let me hear her. <laughs> no. Um, but listen, if you like our podcast, you can rate, review, subscribe uh, to our podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate you sitting down and having a conversation uh, with us as we roll through the next 12 days, choo, 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 into uh, midterm elections 2022. They'll be over soon enough. Um, and make sure you vote. Get out and vote. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com.